0: So if you would, take your Bibles, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, let's read together, Uh, verses 23 and 24, as we consider our theme that God is faithful, God is faithful. All right, 1 Thessalonians 5, read with me verses 23 and 24. And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly, and I pray God your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Faithful is he that calleth you, who also will do it. Please remain standing for prayer. Thank you, Father. Thank you for your goodness to us in 2023. And as we look forward to 2024, we do know that you will be faithful. You've been faithful in the past. You've been good to us, pouring out your grace upon us. We see it in Uh, Harley's life. We see it in Josiah's life. We've seen David uh, give a good report about his tumor that was removed this past week, and we're just so grateful that you hear our prayers and that prayer matters. We're so grateful that you're a God who loves your people. You love us with an everlasting love, and we come to you this evening asking that you would work in our hearts again to remind us of your faithfulness, to encourage us, and to give us that anchor for our soul when our storms are all around us. We pray these things in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Please be seated. And again, here in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 23 and 24, we see our theme verse for this coming year, 2024. This is the final message that I'll preach in 2023. The next time I preach, by God's grace, it'll be in 2024. And I don't want to just leave you with an encouraging idea or motivate you to soldier on. What I want to do is give you that anchor for your soul that will keep you safely within God's plan and God's protection when the storms of life come in 2024, because I can guarantee you there will be storms. If you remember the story about the wise man and the foolish man, the wise man builds his house upon the rock, the foolish man builds his house upon... the, the sand, and in the account in Luke chapter 6, it says, When the flood arose, not if the flood arose, not if the rains came, when I can guarantee you in 2024, you're gonna have trouble. Some, it may be from inside you, it may be your own temptations, your own foolishness, your own uh, ungodliness welling up inside you. It may be people outside who persecute and irritate and frustrate you. It may just be your circumstances. Things happen. Maybe a financial reverse. Maybe you lose your job. Maybe you have some illness, but the storms are going to come. What I want to do is give you an anchor, a a rock on which you're going to build your faith uh, so that when when those storms come, not if, when those storms come, you are sure that not only has God called you, but that he's going to keep his promise and he will do it. Notice again, verse twenty-four. Faithful is he that calleth you, who also will do it. So I began to think in my own mind, um, what can I think of uh, that that would represent God's faithfulness? Because, <laughs> frankly, sometimes we think of these concepts like love or faithfulness, and we don't really have a good picture for it. And one of the things that I was reminded of is in is in um, Jeremiah chapter. Uh, 33. So hold your place in 1 Thessalonians 5 and go back to Jeremiah 33. We are going to be looking at a couple passages today, tonight, so keep your Bible handy. Jeremiah 33 and verse 19, God is talking about his covenant. And in Jeremiah 33, 19, the word of the Lord came unto Jeremiah, saying, Thus saith the Lord, if you... If ye can break my covenant of the day and my covenant of the night that there should be not that there should not be day and night in their season then may also my covenant be broken with David my servant. You see what God is saying there he's saying you can't change the sun rising and setting you can't change the moon rising and setting because I'm in charge of that. Now, there is an instance in the Bible where the sun didn't set and the moon didn't rise in a timely fashion. But who did that? God did that too. God's covenant with us. Every time I look at the moon, I'm reminded that God is faithful to his covenant. The moon is a reminder. Now, why didn't I pick the sun? Because I don't look at the sun very often. It hurts your eyes. But I often find myself looking at the moon and reminding myself that the same God who causes the sun to rise and the sun to set and the moon to rise and the moon to set is the same God who's made promises to me and he will be faithful to his promise. So you'll see a lot of the moon in, in uh, various things we, we talk about this year as we talk about God's faithfulness. The moon is not God, obviously. Okay, We're not trying to represent God. Uh, we're trying to represent his faithfulness When you see the moon. But there's a second uh, picture that came to mind. And that is a rainbow. Why does a rainbow remind us of God's faithfulness? Someone out there. Why does a rainbow remind us of God's faithfulness? Marcos. That's right. In the time of Noah, God sent a flood that wiped out all life on the the face of the earth. all, All the land life on the face of the earth. Except for those eight people. And the animals that were in the ark. But when God caused the flood to recede and the the waters were gone and the earth was drying out, there was a rainbow in the sky and God said, that rainbow is a reminder to you that I will not destroy the world by water again. Now, the Bible tells us he's going to destroy the world a second time by fire, but not by water. So those people that tell you global warming is going to cause all the ice to melt and the water to come over the earth, I can tell you that's not going to happen. I don't know exactly what's going to happen, but that's not going to happen. And every time I see a rainbow, I'm reminded of God's faithfulness. Just uh, maybe two, three weeks ago, I was driving up Elmira Road, intending to come here to this church's property, and there was a beautiful rainbow, and when I got into the parking lot, it was one of those rainbows you could see from one side all the way over the church to the other. What a reminder. God is faithful. God is faithful. There's times I look at my life and I say, God, i was so sure you wanted me to do this and it's not working out. And God says, it's okay, my son, I'm faithful. You don't have to understand. God is faithful. When you see the moon, when you see a rainbow, it's a reminder of his faithfulness. Let me just talk to you quickly about some ways that God is faithful. He's faithful because he never abandons us. The Bible says he will never leave us and he will never forsake us. In fact, the Holy Spirit dwells inside of us. No matter how bad your situation may seem to you, no matter how much persecution you face, no matter how much your circumstances may turn in an unexpected direction, God is always right there with you. Remember that. God's presence. He's faithful in His presence. God is faithful in His mercy. Here's what Lamentations 3.22 says. They... That is, God's mercies and compassions are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. Now, I'm sure glad that God's mercies are new every morning because I need that fresh mercy every day. I'd love to tell you there's whole weeks I go without sinning, but that's not the truth. There's way too many times I'm walking in the flesh rather than walking in the spirit, and I have to go back to God and say, God, forgive me. And guess what? Every time I've asked him for forgiveness, he's forgiven me. Right away. Not well, are you really blue at this time? Come back in a few days. Not, okay, well, you're going to have to do this penance in order to get my forgiveness. No, the, 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 um, the price of my forgiveness was paid for long ago when Jesus died on the cross. And he freely forgives me over and over. Now, that's no reason to sin. the, the Psalm 130 tells us there's forgiveness with thee that thou mayest be feared. Forgiveness is not a license to sin, but it's a wonderful thing that I don't have to hold on to guilt or do penance in order to gain God's forgiveness. God's faithful in his promises. That's why I love that song. We have an anchor that keeps the soul steadfast and sure while the billows roll. Fastened to the rock which cannot move. God doesn't change. He's immutable. And when he says a promise, he will keep his promise. We're going to talk more about why that's true here in a minute. So God's faithful in his promises. God is faithful in his love. Jeremiah 31.3 tells us that God has loved us with an everlasting love. Jeremiah 31.3 tells us that. Now, I've had some relationships in my life, not my wife, not my parents, but I've had some relationships in my life where I felt like someone who at one time loved me no longer loved me, a person. And that can be very disturbing, to lose someone's love. Again, not my wife, not my parents, but there have been people that have been close to me, and I thought, boy, they don't love me anymore, do they? And it hurts. But God loves us with an everlasting love. You can trust His love. Every time it seems to you and to me, boy, God doesn't love me, I remind myself that he already sent his son to die in my place. To come back to life from the dead. God is faithful in loving us. And God is faithful, here in this verse, God it tells us that God is faithful in our sanctification. Going back now to 1 Thessalonians 5, 23, And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. And then verse 24, faithful is he that calleth you who also will do it. The it there is sanctify you. Do it is not do what you want, not fulfill your prayers just like you ask them. But God is faithful to sanctify us wholly, to change us out of our sinful, selfish selves into the image of Jesus Christ. That's the the process of sanctification. Now, I want to remind you why God can be faithful. You and I can't always be faithful. We'd love to be faithful all the time. I'd love to tell you I've never broken a promise, but that's not true. I'd love to tell you I've always loved the people around me perfectly, but that's not true either. I'd love to tell you the people I said, I'll be there for you when you're hurting, I'd love to tell you that's true, but it's not. But God can keep his promise because, number one, God is infinite in his knowledge. God's knowledge has no limit. When God makes a promise, he already knows how circumstances are going to be and how he's going to fulfill his promise. Now, there's been times I thought I knew how circumstances were going to turn out, and then all of a sudden life takes a turn and all, I'm not where I should be. And I can't help that. I'm human. But God isn't human. He's infinite in his knowledge. He's infinite in his presence. On three occasions, I remember clearly, and I I don't use these as sermon illustrations uh, in detail because I don't want to embarrass the people, but on three occasions, I remember clearly not being somewhere when a dear friend of mine fell into sin. And I thought to myself, and my wife will tell you, I said to her, boy, what if we would have been there? I don't know. I don't think what-ifs are helpful. But I know this. God did not fail that person. God was there. God had all the grace they needed to resist temptation. God never is on a journey. He's never on vacation. He's never taking a nap. He's never in some pointless meeting. I have a brother-in-law who works at a company, and he says they have far too many meetings that could be an email. And so he got a cup. Uh, that reads, does this meeting have an agenda? I think that's what the cup reads. You know, God is never in a meeting, busy with the angels, and so you go to him to pray and, and you know, leave a voicemail, God's not available. Yeah, take a number. God's infinite in his presence. God's infinite in his power. God is infinite in his power. We call him the Almighty. Almighty. There are times that I want to help people, but I lack the resources. Maybe I don't have enough money. Maybe I don't have enough physical energy. Maybe I don't have enough authority to help them. Those are never a problem with God. God has all the energy he needs, all the money he needs, and all the authority he needs. What does Jesus tell his disciples? All power, that is authority, is given unto me in heaven and in earth. So when God makes you a promise... He is going to keep it. And God is infinite in his wisdom. He's going to figure out a way to accomplish his plan, even when everything seems to be against him. So God illustrates his faithfulness to us in a couple of ways that I want you to write down tonight. These are important. Number one, God illustrates his faithfulness when he gives us his Holy Spirit. Turn with me, hold your place in 1 Thessalonians 5. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 6 tonight. God illustrates His faithfulness to us. He reveals His faithfulness to us when He gives us His Holy Spirit. Think of your journey through life like a road trip. I just recently drove up to Oregon and back, so I had road trips on my mind as I was preparing some illustrations for this uh, sermon Think of uh, your journey through life like a road trip. Rather than go to Oregon, let's go to Southern California. How many of you have ever taken a road trip to Southern California? Okay, a few of you, all right. It's not a particularly arduous road, especially if you just go down I-5. It's, it's pretty flat, not flat, flat, but you know straight, not, not real windy, not real hilly until you get to the far end down by the grapevine. It's not a particularly difficult drive, but if you're like me, I don't like to drive to Southern California. I like to fly so much easier. You just get on a plane here and you end up over there. And if you think of life and God's direction in our lives as he wants us to go from here down to Southern California, just imagine with me. I don't think God wants us all in Southern California. I'm just saying, imagine with me. That's where God sends us. You know what we, we do? We get in the car. God gives us all the gas we need to get there. He gives us a credit card if we have any expenses on the way and we promptly drive to Reno. Which isn't where he wants us to go at all. And then we get to Reno and we say, God, this is a terrible place. And he says, I know, I didn't send you there. That's how it usually is for us. God gives us all the resources we need. He's faithful, but what do we do? We refuse his help. We refuse his direction. We choose a completely different way. And then we're surprised that it doesn't work out. Well, here's some of the resources that God has given us. He's, first of all, he's given us his Holy Spirit here in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. It says, verse 19, What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God? The Holy Ghost is in you. Your body, by God's grace, and in His wisdom, not in mine, God has made your body the temple, the dwelling place of His Holy Spirit. No matter where you go, No matter who you're with, no matter what you're thinking about, the Holy Spirit is right there. Now, remember, we can grieve the Holy Spirit. And in 1 Thessalonians 5, it talks about quenching the Holy Spirit. We can, can, and I, I don't understand this, because the Holy Spirit is almighty, and I have limits on what I can do. But God, in His wisdom, allows me to tell the Holy Spirit, shut up, sit down, and be quiet. And the Holy Spirit says, fine, if you're going to treat me that way, I'm going to sit down and I'm not going to say anything. But I'm the loser. You're the loser. When God the Holy Spirit is trying to guide us, He's trying to direct us, He's trying to help us, and we say, no, I don't want that. There's a second thing that God offers us, in addition to His Holy Spirit as a resource to accomplish His plan of sanctification. He offers us as a resource because He is faithful, and that is, unlimited, think of this word, unlimited grace. Unlimited grace. I never come to a problem where I say, God, I need some help here. And God says, well, I'd really like to help you, but occasionally my children will come to me and they'll have a pretty big problem. And they'll say, hey, Dad, i uh, got a really big problem. What do you think I should do? And they're just looking for advice. And I wish I had an unlimited resource of money to solve their problems. By the way, if you do that, you will ruin your children. <laughs> they need to go through some difficulties in life uh, from time to time. But still, as a father, don't I wish, boy, if I could just solve that problem for them, if I could just buy them a house, right? If I could just buy them a car, if I could just pay for their college. Well, I can't do everything. But in, it, but unlike me, God can do everything. And His grace is unlimited. And he, we never run into a problem where He says, Boy, I wish I could help you, but I can't. Now, I mentioned God the Holy Spirit. I mentioned God's grace. What's the difference between these two? Well, God the Holy Spirit is a person, the Bible tells us. We can grieve Him. We can quench Him. But we can also talk to Him. We can commune with Him. We can walk in the Spirit. And I encourage you, as you're reading through your Bible this, this uh, month, you're reading at least through Proverbs, but, and Proverbs isn't the best place to learn about the Holy Spirit, but as you're reading through your Bible, notice how God wants us to respond to His Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit is a person. And we can commune with Him. Too often... When it, back to God's grace, too often our problem is that we refuse God's grace. God has a plan. God offers us the resources to accomplish his plan. And we say, no, thank you. I'm going to do it my own way with my own resources. And we always end up somewhere different than we expect. We always end up at the, on the wrong road and end up in the wrong destination when we refuse God's grace. God's grace. But here's the third thing that God does for us. Number one, he gives us his Holy Spirit. He gives us unlimited grace. And then the third thing he does is what surprises us. He puts difficult people in our lives. Now, this is the part that really frustrates me. My wife will tell you. She, she knows me really well. I, I don't mind working with you all because you guys are nice. But sometimes God puts people in my life that I don't like being there. In Mongolia, it seemed like every other person I had to deal with was a liar and a cheat and said things about me that weren't true. And you're, you sort of fight against that. You know, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fix this person. Now let me remind you that God places everyone in our lives just like we need. Just the, just the people we need. He gives us the parents that we need. Now, I didn't choose my parents, and you didn't choose yours. And you may not like the parents God gave you. There may be some serious deficiencies in their life, and there are because they're human beings. But who picked the parents that you have? God did. Who picks the children that you have? I didn't pick my children's personalities. I didn't go through a catalog. Yeah, I think they should be introverted or extroverted. And I think they should be, you know, fairly submissive. No, no, let's make that one really rebellious. Uh, This one really have a sarcastic streak. I didn't do that. You didn't do that either. Who decides what kind of children we're going to get? If we're going to get children, God decides those things. And often he places just the people in our lives that we need. Do you have a job? If you have a job and you work with more than one person, you probably have an irritating co-worker. Probably do. Now, maybe you don't work with them every day. Maybe they just show up occasionally. And they always, always, the irritating person in your life always shows up on your worst day, right? They never show up on the day when you got a good night's sleep and you got a good breakfast. Life is going well. They show up when you didn't sleep well the night before and your breakfast got burned and your wife didn't even come and kiss you as you went out the door. And then the irritating person shows up. You know, God does that. It's a lot like sandpaper. If you've ever done any finished work with wood, you know that even wood that's called finished wood, it's still a little bit rough. And sometimes there's these little splinters and you just take a, a really light sandpaper and you and you rub it over that wood and it makes it just smooth as silk. Just feel You can just feel the difference. But have you ever rubbed Sandpaper against your skin? It's not very pleasant. Can you imagine being that wood that needs to be rubbed, that needs to be sanded a little bit with that sandpaper? I'm sure if the wood could talk, it would say, What are you doing? I'm reasonably flat. I'm reasonably smooth. Why are you putting me through this? Well, God puts us, puts irritating people in our lives, just like He puts just like we sandpaper wood, he puts those irritating people in our lives to point out our respectable sins. Some of you ladies remember that term from your recent study. He points out the areas where we're still walking in the flesh so that we can give those to God, those areas to God as well. So God gives us his Holy Spirit, then he gives us unlimited grace, then he puts irritating people in our lives. And here's the last thing that God does is he arranges our circumstances. And when God arranges our circumstances, always remember that God is far more interested in our character than in our comfort. Now I'll tell you, I'm interested in my comfort. God says, I'm not interested in your comfort. I'm interested in your character. God's far more interested in our character than in our comfort. So he arranges our circumstances, the circumstances of our birth, where we're born, who our parents are, what culture we're born in, uh, whether we're born into poverty or riches, whether we're born smart or not as smart. God arranges all those things, doesn't he? God arranges our, our, uh, th- just the daily things that happen to us, the, the flat tire, the, the dead battery. God arranges those events too. God arranges your work. God arranges the teachers that you have. God arranges all of these things and He arranges our circumstances so that we can walk in the Spirit and respond to those circumstances with love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, meekness, faith, and temperance. And what are the nine things that I just mentioned? The fruit of the Spirit. How do I know whether I'm walking in the Spirit responding to these circumstances? I respond with love, joy, peace, Long-suffering. Let's start with that one, long-suffering. And I've thought through this, long-suffering. When do people around you see the long-suffering that the Holy Spirit produces in your heart because you're walking in the Spirit? Under what circumstances? When everything is calm, it doesn't take any long-suffering. When your spouse is nice to you, it doesn't take any long-suffering. When your kids are obedient, it doesn't take any long-suffering. Hey, kids, when your parents are nice, it doesn't take any long-suffering. But but what about when your dad or mom says, hey, you can't do that? That's when it takes long-suffering. When your spouse is ill or your spouse is having a bad day, that's when it takes long-suffering. When that irritating person shows up at work, that's when it takes long-suffering. So if you're going to produce the fruit of the Spirit, long-suffering, the fruit of the Spirit, you know what God's going to do? He's going to arrange your circumstances so that things don't go the way you want. Now, I'll tell you, that frustrates me. I Sometimes I say, God, I don't understand what you're doing. I prayed for this, and you gave me that. And God says, because if I gave you this, you would need to walk in the Spirit like that. In 2024, you're going to have to make a series of decisions whether you're going to be content with what God gives you or you're going to demand your way. God has given you His Holy Spirit because He's faithful. God's given you unlimited grace because He's faithful. God's put people in your life because He's faithful. And now He's arranging your circumstances. He's been arranging your circumstances since before you were born. He's going to continue arranging your circumstances on into eternity. And between here and eternity, he's going to arrange those circumstances so that we must walk in the Spirit to respond with the fruit of the Spirit to the things we don't like. Another fruit of the Spirit is love. Nobody's surprised when you love people who love you. In fact, Jesus tells us that in Matthew 5. Verse 46, he says, and I'm paraphrasing, people aren't surprised when you love those who love you? What does God call us to do? Love our enemies. Now that's surprising. I'm I'm concerned, and I am, think this through with me, I'm concerned that some Christians are losing, and maybe we are losing our civility, because we think that if people are going to be nasty to us, we should be nasty to them. But God doesn't call us to do that. What does he say? Turn the other cheek. Now, I don't like that. I wish God said, when somebody strikes you, you put your dukes up. That's what I wish God would say. God says, if someone takes your coat, give them your cloak also. What I want God to say is if somebody takes your cloak, smack them over the head and take it back. But God says, love your enemies. That's hard. That takes walking in the spirit to love my enemies. So God's going to put enemies in my life so that I have to walk in the spirit to love them as God has called me to love them. Joy, love joy. Nobody is surprised when life is going well if you are happy. Everybody's happy when life is going well. People are surprised when your life is in turmoil. People are surprised when God sends undesirable circumstances, ill health, a, a death of a, of a loved one, a financial reversal, a loss of your job, when God sends those type of circumstances and you remain joyful, there's going to be some unsaved friends of yours that think that man has lost his mind. No. He is The only reason he can be happy, that's how they're going to see it. Remember, they're unsafe. The only way he can be happy in this circumstance is if he is insane. You're not insane. You're walking in the Spirit. And despite the turmoil around you, despite the trials, despite the temptations, you have joy. Because joy doesn't come from your circumstances. Your joy comes from walking in the Spirit. And you can go through every one of those, all the way down to meekness and temperance and faith, and see that you're never going to exhibit those fruit of the Spirit unless you have problems in your life. Uh, how does How does meekness work? Meekness works when there's an injustice. When there's justice in your life, it doesn't require any meekness to respond. So God, in His faithfulness, is going to do four things in 2024. Number one, He already has given you His Holy Spirit. And God, in His faithfulness, is going to always have that Holy Spirit there for you. Just waiting right here inside. It's a a person you can commune with, you can talk with. The second thing God is going to give you in his faithfulness in 2024 is his unlimited grace. Unlimited grace. And then he's going to put difficult people in your life. He's going to put difficult... I'm, I'm laughing because I have yet to meet the person that doesn't have a difficult person in their life. I just hope it's not your spouse. That's when it's really hard. But He's going to put difficult people in your life. And then you know what He's going to do? He's going to change your circumstance. So you must walk in the Spirit in order to exhibit the fruit of the Spirit. Just expect it. I'm not telling you 2024 is going to be better than 2023. It may not be better for you. I am telling you God is faithful. Faithful is He that calleth you who also will do it. What? Your sanctification. By giving you His Holy Spirit, by giving you his grace, by putting difficult people in your life, and by arranging your circumstances so you have to respond with the fruit of the Spirit. We're coming to our conclusion. We're coming to our invitation. And I want you to think there's going to be people tonight that are in the middle of that storm. Going back to our, our, um, our, our word picture of an anchor, you're already in the storm. Maybe it's a health issue. Maybe it's a difficult person. Again, maybe it's finances. Uh, Maybe it's just the circumstances of life that you don't understand. And you're already in that storm. I want to remind you that storm is not necessarily chastisement. It very well could be God sanctifying you. That's how he builds Christ-like character in each one of us then there's going to be a whole group of people here tonight. They're not going through a storm right now. Life is good. You just got done with Christmas. You just saw your family. People were healthy. You got the gifts you wanted and and you gave the gifts you wanted. And boy, it's just, life is good. I am so happy for you, but I can tell you in 2024, you will go through a storm. Maybe a small one, maybe a hurricane, but you're going to go through a storm. And when you get to that storm, remember that God is faithful. God isn't faithful in getting you through the storm. God is faithful in choosing the right storm for you. God is faithful in crafting those circumstances to fit you. So that as you walk in the Spirit, you exhibit the fruit of the Spirit. And you build Christ-like character. Because God is more interested in your character, in my character, Than in my comfort. Father, thank you for this evening already. We've had a great start with enthusiastic singing that was directed towards you, with several testimonies that prayer matters, that things we prayed for, you answered in a way that all can see and that you get the glory for. And we thank you for that. Some people tonight, you know this, Lord are going through a storm. It may even be a hurricane. It may be turning their boat upside down. They've already capsized and they're in the water drowning. Remind them, Father, that you have crafted their circumstances to bring out Christ's likeness. If they'll respond by walking in the Spirit and utilizing your unlimited grace to respond. Others of us, we're not going through a storm at this moment. But here in 2024, we know we will because you are faithful, because you send those storms, not to chastise us, not to punish us always, although sometimes to chastise us, but just to create Christ-like character in each one of us. So we ask that as those storms come into our lives and our world gets turned upside down and the, the waves crash and the winds blow, that we wouldn't become discouraged, wondering what's happened, happening Instead, we would see that faithful is He that has called us, who also is doing it, sanctifying us, arranging our lives, arranging our, choosing for us the things we would not choose for ourselves in order to build in us Christ like character. Father, as a church, as Elmira Baptist Church, we want to increase in spiritual maturity in 2024, and we know that means you're going to send trials. We trust you, Lord. Prepare our hearts, prepare our minds, and may we strengthen each other. May we bear one another's burdens, particularly in those times when our storms seem too much for us. All this we ask in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen.